us. All right, friends, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Power Parsha, a.k.a. DPP. Today is Friday, July 30th, 2021. Last day of July? No, tomorrow is also a July day. Yes? No? It is? Who knows? I think so. Anyway, this is our last DBP of July. So we're going we're gonna to make this count. And we're going to conclude the Torah reading of Akev. Um, we're going to do uh, readings th- uh, 6 and 7. And hopefully, hold on, what happened? We lost some folks. Okay, and hopefully... We will, um, uh, we will draw some inspiration. Hi, Ray. Good to see you. Welcome, welcome. Hi, Sarah. Welcome back. We lost you for a minute. Thank good, you. Good to have you back. Okay, awesome. All right, I'm going to share my screen. Let's get rocking and rolling over here. Boom, shakalaka, reading number six. Okay. Moshe, Moses, is talking to the people shortly before his pass, and he told them about the dangers of arrogance and hubris, the dangers of narcissism and ego, the danger of being too full of ourselves. Whether it's physically or whether it's spiritually, ego is dangerous. Yesterday, we spoke about further topics. We spoke about other instances in which we were acting in a way that wasn't so, uh, so great. We spoke about Hashem's patience with us. We also spoke about the fact that Hashem just wants us to do what we need to do to keep our end of the bargain. We spoke about loving the stranger and understanding that the compassion for the stranger that Hashem has um, is, and we should relate to that because we were strangers as well. And we spoke about the fact that we, this generation, were eyewitnesses to some of the greatest miracles of all time, some of the greatest um, uh, happenings, the divine happenings of all time, and thus they should know firsthand that it's important to follow in Hashem's ways. I also mentioned at the end of yesterday's session that the message is that that generation needs to communicate with their kids and their kids to their kids and so on and so forth, and that's where we are today. And in all of our lives, we all have our own miracles that we can reference to, to kind of recognize this truth of Hashem's hand um, and, and presence in our lives. Let's continue Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse number 10. For the land to which you are coming to possess, check this out. Mo- Mo- Moshe says, Moses says, it's important that you maintain a relationship with God. Why? Because the land to which you are coming to possess, the land of Israel, is not like the land of Egypt, out of which you came, where you sowed your seed and which you watered by foot like a vegetable garden. Let me explain, as the commentators explain. The land of Egypt doesn't rain. So how do they get crops? How how does stuff grow? The Nile River. They use irrigation from the Nile River. They create a system of pipes, maybe, whatever, irrigation system. And the, the Nile overflows or whatever it is. They draw from the river, and that's how it works. So in Egypt, you don't need rain. If you don't need rain, you don't need to pray for rain. You don't need to look up to the heavens. You don't have to look at the clouds. You don't have to look up to the heavens. You don't have to pray for the rain because you have the Nile River. You're all set. But the land, Moses says, to which which you pass to possess, the land that you're about to go into, is a land of mountains and valleys and absorbs water from the rains of heaven, which means that what you do 
in your divine relationship absolutely matters. Maybe in Egypt, the Egyptians could live and prosper and be well without needing to worry about God because they had their Nile River irrigation. But y'all in Israel, right? You see that? Moses was Southern. Joking. But, but, but you who are about to go into the land of Israel, says Moses to the people, the land of Israel is a land of mountains and valleys and absorbs water from the rains of heaven. Here we go. So don't forget about God. 12, verse 12. It's a land the Lord your God looks after. Eretz Asher Hashem Elekecha Doresh Oisa. Hashem looks after the land, the land of Israel. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Hashem is watching the land of Israel specifically. Hashem obviously knows what's happening with the whole world, the whole universe, the galaxy. Right? Obviously, Hashem is in charge of everything. But there's a specific providence, providence, divine providence over the land of Israel more than any other land. How many times did the Rebbe say to people when they asked for questions about the safety of Israel? Is it safe to go to Israel, to travel to Israel, to live in Israel, to move to Israel? The Rebbe said, is it safe? It's the safest place on earth. It's the only place on earth about which Hashem says, I'm looking after the land. There's no other place on earth where God says, I'm literally watching and looking after the land. Hashem's eyes are always upon it. The land of Israel. Whoops, I don't know what happened there. Yeah. That's what, that's what Moshe says. That's what the Torah says. God's eyes are always on the land. This, is, this was true even in the Gulf War. Remember that, the Gulf War? Yes? Who remembers the Gulf War? 1991? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Gulf War. So people were panicking in Israel. Scud missiles. Remember the Scud missiles? Scud missiles. Chemical warfare. Panic. Should we leave? Mass exodus. Gas masks were given out. Turns out there was never chemical warfare used by, um, in, in the Scud missiles. It also turns out that the people didn't need to actually put on the I'm not saying they shouldn't have. I'm just saying they didn't need to put on the gas. Ultimately, they didn't need to put on the gas mask. And no one died from the, miss, from the Scud missiles in the Gulf War. The only person, I think one person died of a heart attack. Another person died, I think, of, of, uh, of suffocating, improperly putting on the gas mask. Anyway, what's my point? In 1991, people were, were calling and writing and streaming to the Rebbe asking, what's about Israel? What about Israel? Is it safe? Should we leave? Should we visit? Should we not visit? Should we? The Rebbe said, it's safe. And quoted this verse. Next, I want to share with you another idea. The first half of the verse says, the eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it. Always meaning constant. And then it says, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. If it's always, then why mention beginning of the year to the end of the year? That makes it, only, that makes it sound like it's in a year unit, what does it mean? So I want to share with you a bit of a broader interpretation that moves this away from Israel specifically and about divine providence in general and about the blessings from God to us in general. And that is that, yes, Hashem is always blessing us with life and prosperity, please God, but the decision for, for our blessing happens in an, on an annual basis. This is one of the sources for the idea of Rosh Hashanah, right? Rosh Hashanah being the new year where we ask for a good year and blessings for the year. One of the sources is this idea that we're judged or Hashem looks from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And then after that, we have a new 
calculation that's made. So this is one of the sources to the idea that a judgment happens in Rosh Hashanah. Are you with me what I'm trying to say here? Yes, makes sense. So again, on a simple level, it's referring to divine providence over the land of Israel. But if you kind of make it a little bit more general, it means that Hashem is overseeing things always, but specifically one year at a time. From the beginning of the year is decided what's going to happen all the way through to the end of the year. So that's why it's so important, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, when it's signed, and when it's written and sealed, the decree is written and sealed, to get that right, and then obviously to play it out correctly throughout the, rest, throughout the year, and then the next year the process repeats itself. Hope that makes sense. Uh, 13, and it will be, says Moses, if you hearken to my commandments, that I command you this day to love the Lord your God. This is so interesting. Moses is speaking but he's speaking almost channeling God. So it's Moses speaking. It's still Deuteronomy. It's still Moses saying this, but the my is capitalized. And he says, I will give the rain. I know I'm skipping ahead. I will give the rain of your land at its time. This is Moses speaking. Moses is not pretending to be God, but Moses is at this moment is channeling the word of God. And this is what's explained in the Kabbalah. Moses is channeling the word of God in his communication with the people right now. And by the way, this serves, this, this verse 13, and it's going to go on for a little while to the end of this reading. This is the second chapter of the Shema. Right here. The second chapter of the Shema, prayer, is right here. Verse 13 through 21. These several verses form the second paragraph of the Shema. The first paragraph of the Shema and the opening line we had in last week's Torah portion, the second paragraph Right here. Right here in Akif. And it will be if you hearken to my commandments, says Moses, channeling God, that I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and all your soul. So if you do all these mitzvahs, I will give the rain of your land at its time. You'll be blessed with abundant rainfall. We, we spoke about rain before, right? How Israel needs rain. Okay. So God says, Moses says that God says, I will give the rain at its time. At its time means at the right time. I think we discussed this in a, in a class recently where you could have a little bit of rain, but it could hit right at the right time in the right place. You could have a lot of rain, wrong time, wrong place, and flood things and mess up things. So God said, Mo, God, Moses says that God says, if you listen, if you do keep your end of the deal, I will give you rain, the early rain and the latter rain. There's different rains. If you're a farmer, you know this, right? Early rains for some crops, late, latter rains for other crops, right? Different things need different rainfall, different seasons. And you will gather in your grain. Not only will it rain, but things will grow. And not only will they grow, there won't be um, locusts. You know what happens with locusts? They eat up all the crop, right? You, so it grew nicely. Like my peach tree. You guys remember my peach tree? Hundreds of peaches. And overnight, the squirrels got them. So there's one blessing that they grow nicely. But there's another blessing that you will gather in your grain. That you'll actually get it. Right? There's another blessing that actually means that you're going to reap the, the fruits. You will gather in your grain, your wine, and your oil. And furthermore, God says, Moses says that God says, I will give grass in your field for your livestock, and you will eat and be sated. So if you follow the mitzvahs, the mitzvot, it's going to be good. Beware, says Moses, channeling God, lest your heart be misled. And you turn away and worship strange gods and prostrate yourselves before them. Be careful about idolatry. 
a very common theme in this book. And the wrath of the Lord will be kindled against you, and He will close off the heavens. So in contrast to doing the mitzvahs and having the rain fall and things grow and life being amazing, when we turn away from Hashem, God forbid, then it's going to be the opposite. He will close off the heavens and there will be no rain. And the ground will not give its produce. And you will perish quickly from upon the good land that the Lord gives you. God forbid, right? But this is the warning. And you shall set these words of mine upon your heart and upon your soul. And bind them as a sign upon your hand and they shall be as for ornaments between your eyes. This is why this section as well goes in the tefillin. And the tefillin that we wear on the arm and on the head, it has this section of the Shema as well because these words have to be upon our hearts and soul. And that's why it's part of the Shema because these are also important. That similar phrase was said last week with the first paragraph of Shema, that you should have these words upon your heart and upon your soul. And here it says it again. So that's why we have those two sections as part of the Shema. It's in the tefillin. Oh, and you shall teach them to your sons to speak with them. Remember that from last week? Teach them to your children. When you sit in your house, when you walk on the way, when you lie down, and when you rise, the same idea. When you say the Shema twice a day, when you speak about words of Torah, this should be part of it. This is an important paragraph. And you shall inscribe them upon the doorposts of your house and upon your gates. Mezuzah. This also goes into mezuzah. Are you with me? Somebody asked, well, why is it that the Shema goes into the mezuzah scroll? Because the Torah says, take these words and inscribe them on your doorpost. Both last week, that section, and this week, this section. So we have two sections. We also had a third section, by the way, which we'll speak about at some point. But these are the first two sections of the Shema that we say twice a day in the morning and at night, or at night in the morning, when we lie down and when we rise in the morning. And it's in the mezuzah and it's in the tefillin, right? On our hands and between our eyes. Let's continue. And when we do this, it is in order that your days may increase in the days of your children. So this will, ble- this will benefit us when we keep these words close to our heart and inscribe them on our doorposts and the mezuzah and tefillin and all that stuff, then our days will increase and our children's days will increase on the land which the Lord swore to your forefathers to give them as the days of heaven above the earth. Then we will live live long and prosper, in other words, on the land that Hashem has given us, etc. Okay. So what's, what's a summary of the sixth reading? Before we jump into reading seven, what's a summary of reading number six? First of all, Moses establishes that Israel requires rain, which comes from above, which requires prayer and focus. Just like the physical rain, right? How does rain form, physical rain form? I'll tell you how. I learned this in science when I was a kid, right? Science class. Um, there's lakes and oceans, that evaporate. Evaporation turns into condensation, turns into a cloud. Condensation then turns into precipitation, which is why if we pollute our waters, what's going to happen? We'll have polluted waters that evaporate, and down will come acid rain. Who wants acid rain? Not me. So let's keep, let's, let's keep our planet beautiful. Let's keep Hashem's planet. Shouldn't be a political thing, right? Let's keep Hashem's beautiful planet beautiful. It's a mitzvah, and, and, and it's, a, it's a mitzvah. Got to take care of the earth. So, but, but what's the point? That rain doesn't start above. It starts below, then goes up, then comes down. Same thing is true with prayer. 
prayer emanates from below, goes up, and then comes down. So if we want it to rain from above, both literally and figuratively, it's about us turning to Hashem and doing what we need to do down here. It's about us delivering on our end, and then Hashem rains down upon us the literal rain in the right time, but also the figurative rain, all the blessings. Um, we spoke about also in this reading, just to quickly summarize, the idea that Hashem is looking at Israel very carefully, divine providence in Israel is very strong, special land, special protection. We also spoke about the idea of Rosh Hashanah, how things are judged from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. The Talmud even says, what happens by the end of the year is determined already in the beginning of the year. That's Rosh Hashanah. And then we spoke about, and then of course we read the second chapter of the Shema, which speaks about the reward of doing the mitzvahs, the danger of not, of neglecting the mitzvahs and turning away from Hashem. And the idea that living long and prospering is a direct result of our mitzvah observance. Take a look at the, the last few verses. And then, I, as I mentioned at the top of the class, um, I have, uh, we have an abbreviated class today because I have a school function that I need to run to. So we'll just keep this quick and short. Um, so Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 22. This is our final reading. Um, Okay, here we go. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 22. Moses continues to, to tell the people, again, final charge. For if you keep all these commandments, which, which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to cleave to him, if you do all of this, then the promise is, then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you and you will possess nations greater and stronger than you. And I know you've heard Mo Moshe, Moses say this in Deuteronomy, you've heard this, because I've heard this, and I've said this, and you've heard this, hopefully, multiple times. If we keep our end of the bargain, Hashem will create success in our conquering the land of Israel. Every place upon which the soles of your feet will tread will be yours. Look at that. That's a big promise. Wherever you go, it will be yours. From the desert and the Lebanon from the river, the Euphrates River, until the Western Sea will be your boundary. It's a big land. I mean, it's still relatively small, but it's a, it's a nice, size, nice size portion right there. So, so that is what the promise is. No man will stand up before you. If we stay committed to Hashem, then no one will be able to stand up in front of us, the Lord your God will cast the fear of you and the dread of you on all the land upon which you tread as he spoke to you. You will, others will be afraid of you. Others will, will not want to start up with you and your path will be successful. And this is the blessing for all of us. When we do what we need to do, others um, respect that. What is, um, I've told many stories about this in the past, um, this idea that, you know, and we've spoken about this also this week and last week, that the more confident we are with who we are, so the more others respect that. The more we respect ourselves, the more others respect us. It's when a person is self-deprecating. Ah, I'm not, you know, someone says, oh, so you're Jewish? Well, I'm not really so Jewish. Ah, I'm not like those Jews, right, that are... You think people respect that? Nah, no one respects that. You respect someone who takes themselves seriously, respects themselves. So we shouldn't hide. We shouldn't feel the need to hide. We should feel, feel, feel the need. We should be proud. 
And the prouder we are, the more people will say, I respect that. I have a friend, his name is Kiwi Bernhard. He used to live in Atlanta, right? Ray's nodding her head. Yeah, you know Kiwi, right? Kiwi, South African, very close to my wife's family, Leia's family from South Africa. Um, Kiwi also married a Pittsburgher, a sister of my best, one of my best friends, my best friend growing up. And the point is that you know, I know him well and, and had many, many opportunities to, to schmooze with him, to reign with him. He tells a story. I know, I know I'm going to mess, mess this up, but he, he does, um, he's a consultant and he does, uh, he speaks for corporations. So like motivation spe uh, motivational speaking, but also like organizational spe speeches, whatever. So he, he had a gig. He, Microsoft um, called him for a conference. They wanted to hire him for a conference, a, a weekend conference. And they were offering apparently a significant sum of money for this. And they told him, you know, the schedule and they wanted him to speak on Shabbos. So he ultimately said, you know, he, he escalated up the chain. And um, I don't know how, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm like messing up some of these details, but the, the, the short of it is, the bottom line is that it, he, he basically said, listen, I'm Jewish. I, I observe Shabbos, and I don't, I don't speak on Shabbos. I don't work on Shabbos. And the answer that came down from the top was, and I think it, this was back when Bill Gates was running the show, and it either came down from him or close to him or whatever it is, is that they were so impressed that this guy would turn down a gig, basically say, I can't do it, turn down a gig because of Shabbos, that they said they're going to accommodate him and make it work, and a guy like that, they weren't involved in, in, the, in the company. And whatever that led to, I don't know exactly, but it basically um, opened up some doors and all because he didn't compromise on who he was. He didn't, he didn't sell out. He didn't say, well, you know, for you, I'll... It's like the story that I always tell. When I was a kid and I walked into the corner store, the, the, the newsstand place, and I was looking at the drinks over there and, and checking out the labels for a kosher symbol. And the guy says, what are you looking for? I'm saying, I'm, I want to see if it's kosher. And he said, well, I won't tell anybody. And it's like, okay, so like, will, will we sell out when no one's looking, right? When no one's looking or when we really, you know, it's really enticing or it's really this, or it's really that, will we sell out? And Moshe encourages us not to. He says, stay, stay the course, don't sell out, don't compromise, don't sell ourselves, don't sell yourself short, don't, don't, we are who we are, let's embrace it. The healthiest we are is when we embrace who we are. I mean, that's the whole movement today, right? Psychology, modern psychology will tell you, embrace who you are. Don't pretend to be someone else. Good. Let's do that Jewishly. Let's embrace who we are Jewishly. And with that, we should be inspired. Okay. So I, again, I got to run, but I hope that this has been inspiring, an inspiring dose of Torah study before Shabbos. So let's go into Shabbos like a lion. Let's go into Shabbos with a strength, with a commitment, with a dedication that we know who we are and we're going to be strong and, um, and committed to what we need to do. And Ellie, say good Shabbos to everybody. Between seltzer sips. Wow, that's a long, <laughs> that's a long <laughs> seltzer dub. All right, there he is. Uh, oh, where is he? Ellie, where'd you go? All right, Ellie disappeared. Just like that, poof. Okay, so um, it reminds me of the story. Descartes once walked into a bar. And the bartender asked him, um, can I get you a drink? And he said, I think not. Poof, he was gone.
Take heart. I think, therefore, I am. And he answered, I think not. Okay, you had to explain that joke. Never a good thing. Okay, my friends, sorry for a philosophy joke. Huh? Je pense donc je suis. Oh, is that what? The, okay, there you go. It sounds much better than, 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 than the other version. Anyway, but, but in general, philosophy jokes are not always, you know, the, the top of the, the chain with, uh, with stand-up. All right, my friends, have a wonderful Shabbos. Let's be proud of who we are. Let's be committed. Don't forget, Sunday afternoon, 5 p.m., back of Chabad on the Beltline or adjacent to the Beltline, we have this incredible barbecue, some of the best southern cooking you'll ever have, at least on Sunday at 5 p.m. It's going to be amazing. So join us then for a great time and a party. Otherwise, Shabbat Shalom. We'll see you guys soon. Catch you on the flip side. All right. Take care. Bye, Olia. Bye, Sarah. Bye, Ray. Bye, Donna. Bye, Sandrine. We'll see you guys. Take care.